Y'all good? All right. Well, um, uh, yes, yeah, so this is just an honor for me. I mean, I, it's so funny. I was thinking about it walking over here. I'm like, man, just sitting in, in this conference with all this great teaching and all that. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing in here <laughs> assigned to teach an app session, man? Uh, but I'm just so thankful to ARC to have me. If uh, Has anybody been in one of our uh, emotional intelligence sessions before? Uh, John Wyatt and I, a couple of people. Okay. Um, so, uh, Pastor John White couldn't be here this year. We normally team teach this, and so uh, he left me uh, out to dry this this year. But that's okay. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some of these things. First of all, I always want to. Um, this is my. You, you guys probably can't read my handwriting. I apologize. But this is actually my direct cell phone number. So I want everyone to take their phone out and shoot me a text uh, and let me know your name and what church you're at, what your role is at the church. Um, I really want to connect with you. Uh, that's really. You know, I have a couple of things to share today, but really, um, this is about building relationships. Uh, you know, we, by a show of hands, how many like lead pastors or point leaders do I have in the room? A few. Okay. What about uh, like, you know, departmental pastors, functional leaders? Okay. Most everybody else. And what about like, uh, do I have any like HR staff, talent type people in here? You know, operations directors, that type of thing. Okay. Awesome. So I love connecting with, uh, I love, first of all, that I, I'm glad some of our, our lead pastors are here. That's awesome. Um, but I, I love connecting with a lot of people who are in the middle of the organization because that's some of the hardest, most difficult place to lead uh, is from the middle because you don't have all the authority, uh, but you carry a lot of the responsibility, right? And so that's, that's one of the biggest challenges in, in ministry is learning to lead from the middle. And so we'll, uh, we'll talk a lot about that today. But um, and in case you can't read this, 904-718-6599. I'd love, I'd love for you guys to, to shoot. I'm already getting some coming through. So hopefully that doesn't distract me as I see all the numbers coming through. But no, I appreciate it. I really want to connect with you guys. Uh, so thanks for doing that. So yeah, so I've been on staff eight years now at Celebration Church. Uh, I want to give uh, uh, just some honor to, to our pastors, Pastor Stovall and Carrie Weems. Man, they're such just apostolic, brilliant, just visionary leaders. It's so awesome to get to serve on their team. And it really is. You just kind of have to buckle up and go along for the ride, man, because Pastor Stovall, he just flows. If any of you guys have heard him speak or been around him at all, he just he just flows, man. So he keeps us on our toes. And uh, I love uh, I love that he's, uh, you know, both him and Pastor Carrie are, are big advocates of, of emotional intelligence, some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and so it, it's just, it's great to be able to be kind of released into what you're, you're, you love to do and you're gifted to do. And, uh, and so I'm just so thankful for them to, uh, to let me come uh, and, and talk with you guys today. So um, awesome. All right. How healthy leaders can repair unhealthy teams. All right. The problem is, is a lot of times unhealthy teams have unhealthy leaders, right? And so that's why I said you made my first point for me, right? So the first, the first thing that's important, so I'm going to kind of, all right, let me back up just a quick second. I'm not a preacher, all right? I'm, I work with our staff one-on-one. So you're not going to get anything fancy from me today. You're not going to get any bomb drop tweetable type of stuff. Uh, but I hope that there'll be a couple of uh, practical things that you can really take away. If, if, in the, for those of you who've been in, in our sessions before, the past couple of years, we've covered a lot of theory of emotional intelligence. Today, I really want to talk a, a lot more practical application and what that looks like in terms of these concepts. And so if you're not familiar with what emotional intelligence is, I encourage you, the 
uh, Arc Events podcast. If you go to the, uh, if you look up Arc Events podcast, it has all of the main sessions and app sessions from the conferences for like the past four years. So um, there's two sessions: pastoring with emotional intelligence and building emotionally intelligent teams. Those are the last two sessions that we taught. So if you want to know more about the theory of emotional intelligence, I encourage you to do that. And I just remembered I have a card. I need to like flyer things I'm going to hand out to you guys. So we'll do that at the end. So um, that has some, some more information about emotional intelligence on it for you. But so we're going to talk about really practical today. And, and, and really the first thing, so how do you repair unhealthy teams? I'm going to give you the, the, the punchline first, and then we'll, we'll kind of tell the joke later. All right. But to build or to repair emotion or unhealthy teams, we really have to do two things. Well, first of all, we have to model Jesus, right? That's, I mean, shocker. That's what we're going to do is we're going to model Jesus. But specifically, there's two things that I think are really important that we miss a lot. And that is developing our emotional intelligence and embracing servant leadership. And so what I want, what the, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you guys just a couple of points today, and I'm going to link an emotional intelligence competency and a tenant of servant leadership to each of those things, because that's where, that's where we need to lead from. We need to lead from a place of understanding our emotions. So what, what, what's emotional intelligence? I keep talking about that, right? Uh, or EQ, I'll use that, uh, those terms interchangeably. Emotional intelligence is the ability to identify, manage, and direct our emotions, all right? Identify, manage, and direct our emotions, to develop mutually satisfying and beneficial relationships, to make decisions under pressure, even when emotions are involved, make good, healthy decisions using emotional information in a healthy way and managing our stress. All right. That's a lot of stuff wrapped into one concept, but you guys can see how, how critical those skills are. Right. So the, the model of, of EQ that we're going to use to link to this stuff uh, is the EQI 2.0. If you, ha- you still have your phones out, you can Google it, EQI 2.0 model. And if you click on images, you'll be able to see kind of the graphic of the model there. It's a circular model. Um, and uh, so I'm going to, in, in previous sessions, we've kind of talked about the, the more generic composites and themes of EQ. Uh, today, I'm going to cherry pick a couple of the 15 competencies that make up that EQ model. All right, so we'll talk about that. And then in terms of servant leadership, uh, if anybody's ever read anything by Robert Greenleaf, uh, he's kind of the father of servant leadership in terms of, you know, he coined the term. Uh, Obviously, Jesus really was the one who initiated and modeled servant leadership for us. As a matter of fact, if if you're an academic at all or if you've you've been to uh, business school or anything, you've probably learned about this. Um, Even the academics who study servant leadership reference reference Jesus as like the, the, you know, secular, reference Jesus as like the best example of servant leadership, which is just, you know, hilarious Uh, to me that it's just obvious. Like why, you know, I... I don't know, but um, anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna use his model in terms of of linking some of these servant leadership. And so, how do you like what what is his premise of servant leadership? Servant leaders serve first. It's that simple. They before they think about how they can lead in a situation, they think about how they can serve in that situation. They seek first to serve. All right, and you know, servant leadership is happening if those being served grow and develop and get better because of your service. All right. It's not enough to just serve those around you have to actually grow and benefit as a result of that. All right. So let's dive in a couple of these points here. I forgot to start my timer. So now I'm way behind. We started early though. So we're good. 
I want to leave like probably 25 minutes for Q&A and stuff. I really, I like this to be more interactive. So if y'all have any questions, jot those down. We'll have plenty of time at the end to talk about them, all right? And, and one of the cool things, man, I'll tell you, a lot of what's been shared in, in the main room today is really going to, you know, weave nicely into what I, it's funny how God really kind of always just knits all these things together. There's, there's obvious things that he's trying to communicate to us at this conference, which is really cool. Love that. So my first point, uh, is that unhealthy teams are projective and healthy teams are reflective. I think Pastor Mekan said that exact same thing earlier today, basically, in, a, in maybe a little bit different way. But unhealthy teams are projective. They care about getting their opinion out. They care about asserting their will into the team, into the group. They care about making sure they are heard. They're focused on everyone else around them except what's going on on the inside. Healthy leaders and healthy teams are reflective. And like I said earlier, a lot of times unhealthy teams have unhealthy leaders. So when you guys are, when I'm going through these points, I want you guys to think, do a little self-check here, all right? As you're thinking about these and applying these to your teams, also be applying these to your own leadership, all right? Your own, your, your own journey. Because all these things are, we, it has to start with us. We have to model this if we expect our teams to embrace these ideas, all right? Unhealthy teams are projective. Healthy teams are reflective. So in terms of emotional intelligence, what really what this is is called emotional self-awareness. Emotional self-awareness. Understanding your own emotions. Understand what's going on under the hood. Understanding how your emotions are triggered. What triggers these different emotions, right? And how they impact our thoughts. That's one of the things that people miss. We don't ever think about how we think. It's so important to, to, for, to, for us to pay attention to our thought life and what's going on and, and what things are triggering different thoughts, what stories we're telling ourselves. You know, one of the things that uh, we talked a lot about last year uh, was, was something called the emotional process. This is how emotions take place in our brain. I, I don't have time to go through it today. We'll talk about it a little bit when I get to this little ABCDE thing. Um, but it's really important to understand how uh, these emotions happen uh, and, and what's triggering them and pay, it, and pay attention to these nuances. So I, I like to use this example when I talk about emotional self-awareness is uh, I, I use the illustration of a Crayola crayon box. All right, you know, you can go to the store and buy the, you know, the, you know go to Target. They have all the different options in, the, in that aisle and you can buy an eight crayon box or you can go and splurge for the 128 crayon box, right? And so the eight cram, so, so in terms of your emotional self-awareness, are you an eight cram box? All right, you only experience base level emotions. I'm happy, mad, sad, glad, whatever else rhymes with that, right? Or are you 128 cram box? You understand the different shades and nuances of your emotions. You can recognize when you, the subtle shifts in your emotional state. And this is so important, guys, because our emotions, are, it's, it's, it's part, a component of our soul our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? This is a critical part of how we even do ministry. You know, it, it, it's so funny. I work a, a lot with, with, with corporate teams and secular teams too. And it, for them, it's so funny. I have to really focus, like their mindset is like, all right, check your emotions at the door. Don't eat, like, you know, you come in, you're a ro- you, you do, you know, get your widgets made, get your sales sold, whatever it is, right? In the church, sometimes we tend to to trend in the other direction. You know, it's just, it's just emotional vomit everywhere we go, right? And so I, we have to understand the right balance with these things and understand what's going on. So 
We don't want to be ignorant of our emotions and ignorant of what's going on. We want to be intentional about understanding what's, what's happening uh, and how they impact not only our behavior, but now how they start to impact those around us as, we, as that behavior plays out, right? It's really important. So one of the concepts that's really important with this is the idea of mindfulness. Again, this is, mindfulness is funny. It's kind of been, a, been hijacked by Eastern religion, uh, but it's so important to be, and, and again, I can't remember what session it was, but someone was talking about this, about being present where we are right now. How do we be focused and present and, you know, put the phones down, put everything else. How do we engage in the moment right here and right now? Can we be aware of what's happening? You know, introverts tend to be a little bit better than this than extroverts. You know, introverts are naturally more intrigued by their inner world and, and motivated by, by it. Um, you'll see a lot of integration between personality and emotional intelligence. We do a lot of personality stuff at Celebration also. And so I uh, highly encourage you to, um, to, to do personality type stuff with your team. And I can talk to you guys about that if you're interested. But, um, you know, as uh, most pastors tend to be pretty extroverted. You know, like you come to a concert like or a concert, you come to a conference like this and you're engaged and you're talking. I mean, we just tend to be a little bit more extroverted. And as a result, we could be so focused on the outside world and neglect the inside world. And so I just want to challenge you guys, man, pay attention, like add some emotional vocabulary to your repertoire, be able to ex- describe these things. So one of the, one of the, so with each of these, I'm going to give you kind of a practical tip. Um, and so the practical tip for this one is, uh, is to keep an emotional journal. All right. Uh, and especially, you know, and I know not, you know, you may have different opinions on journaling and all that. That's fine. Uh, but maybe just try it for two weeks, specifically around an, an emotion that is triggering neg- like negativity in you, what we, what we would call a hot emotion. Um, and so what you'll do is there's this little, it, it's such a cheesy way to describe it, but it really does work. Um, and this comes from, uh, the, the person that develops the EQI, uh, wrote a book called the EQ edge. And that's where this exercise comes from. And so you start with C, this is the emotion you experience, the hot emotion. All right. So you get cut off in traffic and that produces an emotion in you. Right. And so you, you, what you describe that emotion that you're experiencing or that pattern of thought. Then you go back to A. A is the activating event. What triggered this whole thing? Where did this start? You know, somebody said something in the team meeting, right? Or uh, a congregant came and said my message was terrible or whatever. Fill in the blank. What, where, what started this thing? And then this is really, the, B and D are the two most important places to go, but B stands for belief. What stories am I telling myself? What automatic self-talk is happening? as soon as this thing is triggered? What, what, what am I telling myself? I like to say this way, what lies am I believing? It's really important, you know, so often we go based of our, off our initial assumptions about a situation. You know, what we, 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 as soon as something happens, we immediately assign meaning to that thing and we operate as, as if it's the gospel truth, right? So that's where D comes in. D is debate. So once you've outlined what, you, what story you've told yourself, now I want you to think about what are other possible truths out there? What are other stories that could make sense? And how do they differ from the story that I told myself in my mind? Right? So I, I described earlier when I got in here, you know, I was, as I was walking up to this door, I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing here? Just a, a associate pastor at a, at a church. There's a million different awesome leaders that are here. How, what business do I have teaching an app session? And 
it, so that's that's the automatic self-talk that happens. That's the the lies that you tell yourself because I know the Lord created me for this kind of stuff, for helping and equipping mid, people in the middle to learn how to survive in 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 church world, right? And whether I'm good at it or not is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, is God's called me to do this, and so I'm going to move forward with it, right? So that's that's that D. So a, another way to think about the debate is how can I replace the lies that I've told myself with the truth that I know that God has placed in me, all right? And then E stands for effects. If I were to believe one of these other truths instead of the initial thing I told myself, what would be different? Or what does a high EQ response look like in this situation, all right? So if you try this for a couple of weeks and actually journal these things down, I promise you, you'll start to recognize things more often. Right, my my wife just bought a, uh, or we just bought her a, a new car because since we have another kid on the way, I can't afford a, a new house, so I at least got a new car. So that way we could, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to figure out. I think one of them's going to have to sleep in the attic, but we'll just we'll make it work. But it's funny. Once my wife decided what kind of car she wanted, it was amazing. As she was driving around, she started seeing those cars everywhere. Right. And it's funny, like the same amount of cars were on the road as they were before, but because it was active in her consciousness, because she was thinking about it, now all of a sudden she saw them everywhere, right? I see you guys nodding heads. You guys have experienced that, right? And so as you guys start to, as you become self-awareness is the foundation of all growth. We cannot grow unless we're self-aware. Although Socrates says, know thyself, right? We have to understand what's going on. We have to uh, we have to really move from self-awareness to self-knowledge. It's not enough to just know, that's not enough to just see what's happening. We have to know why it's happening, right? And so if, as you guys start to become more aware of this stuff and, and journaling and all that, you'll start to be able to spot it in the wild and see it more regularly, okay? All right, we good? All right, let's move on. We'll go quicker on these other ones. I can get talking on this stuff forever, so y'all gotta rein me in. Okay, unhealthy teams speak first. Healthy teams listen first. And I love how uh, Pastor Rick talked about this one. I th- was it last night or uh, yesterday? Yesterday morning, Pastor Rick talked about this. You know, if we go into a meeting, guns blazing, you know, just, just, just telling everybody what we think, you know, especially as a point leader, as a, as a lead pastor, who's, who's going to challenge that, you know, <laughs> right? Healthy teams, healthy leaders, they, they listen first. All right. And so the, the EQ competency that relates to this uh, is, is empathy. What emotional self-awareness is for ourselves, empathy is for others. So empathy is understanding what others people are experiencing, what they're going through, validating their experiences as real and meaningful to them. Even if we don't necessarily agree with how they're responding, we, we understand what they're going through. And one of the most critical parts of empathy that people miss you know, so, so you'll say like, oh, I can put myself in their shoes. I care about them. I, I, I have empathy for them. Do they know that? Do you articulate that care to them? That's one of the biggest things people miss with, with empathy is being able to articulate that care, to let that play out. So I, I had a, uh, it's funny, I had a client who um, he, uh, he, he'd been in, you know, his company for a really long time. He was an older, probably in his 50, late 50s, early 60s. Um, you know, real, I mean, real humble guy, like loved the coaching process I was taking him through. Um, but you know, he, he, he was talking 
uh, telling me the story about a guy and his team who had just had a baby. And so I was asking him about his interactions with this person because he's, he's trying to, his empathy score was pretty low on his assessment. We'll talk more about assessments later, but um, his, his EQ assessment, his empathy score was low. He's trying to understand why this was because he felt like he cared for his team. So I was talking to him about this situation and he said, uh, so, so I said, what, what type of things do you say to this person when they talk about their, how they were up all night, you know, got a newborn in the house, you know, all the, all these things. He's like, you know, I just kind of crack jokes about it and just let him know, you know, he, he has grown kids and they're in college. Right. So he's like, yeah, you know, you'll get through it. You know, it's all good. You know, you, you know, it's just a season, right. That's what it's some, a lot of the things that we like to say to people, right. You know, paint this silver lining around what they're going through. But the fact of the matter is that didn't help that person in that moment. If you're, if anybody's had a kid that first couple of weeks, you know, it, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It, and it doesn't matter how much coffee you drink, right? You feel like this is never going to end. I'm never going to sleep again, right? And so I asked him a question. I said, what if instead of making light of his situation, you just called it what it is? And you said, you know, man, that, I remember not, that's really sucks, not sleeping I remember that. As a matter of fact, why don't you, you know, why, why don't you leave early, an hour early for the next two weeks so you can give your, your wife a break and, and have a little bit of extra time at home? That's empathy. Because now you're putting your money where your mouth is, right? Now you're, you're willing to meet them. It's not, it's not just, it, it's not a, a you know, I think as Brene Brown does a little uh, deal on the difference between sympathy and empathy. It's, it's a, uh, just look it up on YouTube. It's really good. Um, but, you know, that sympathy says, man, I, I've been there. You'll get through it. Don't worry. Empathy gets down in the mess with them and says, hey, I, I'm, how can I help? Like, let me, let me walk alongside this with you, right? So as leaders, how can we do that? How can we serve first by displaying empathy for people? I love uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you guys read that book? Highly recommend it if you haven't. But one of the one of the seven habits is seek first to understand, then be understood. Make that your mission. Seek first to understand what's going on with your teams, with your with your leaders that you oversee. All right. The less we listen to our teams, the more they disengage. So if you want to have a, a group of engaged people that are uh, that are pressing into what you, your, the mission is of the church, make sure you're li- make time to listen to them. All right. So a, a quick tip on this one for you: force yourself to ask a clarifying question before responding to what someone has to say. Is it, so if I'm being honest, this is when I first took an emotional intelligence assessment. Empathy was a really low one for me. Right, and it's hard to be a pastor and not have any empathy, <laughs> so I had to work on it quick, and um, and that was one of the things for me that I had to that really helped me is anytime I'm in a meeting with anyone, I just instant. And if you, my, I'm an ENTP personality type. If any of you guys know the Myers Briggs at all, so I'm just eager to get my thoughts out there. Like I, ha- I have an answer to your question. You come, just come ask, right? And so I really had to work on uh, develop that skill and that ability to to force myself to slow down and think about what I'm going to say before I actually say it, um, and, and communicate to them that I care. And I do that by asking, engaging questions, forcing myself to say, well, tell me more about that. Or I heard you say this, um, is, is this what you mean? 
right? So if you have a um, uh, a care pastor, you know, in your in your world, this would be a great thing to come and get their help with. We call these attending skills, like in conversations, the ability to attend to someone else. If, if you have a counselor in your world, right? Learn, to have them coach you in this if this is an area that you struggle in. To learn how to engage with people, connect with people, uh, and, sh- and articulate that care to them. All right? Make sense? All right. Unhealthy teams avoid. Healthy teams address. Todd and Julie did a beautiful job talking about this today, right? Healthy conflict, right? Not all conflict is bad. Too often in the church, we avoid problems and don't address them. We love people, right? And so we want to give them every chance to succeed. The problem is, is we're actually hindering their success by not being honest with them. So in emotional intelligence, we call this assertiveness, okay? Draw a line between passive and aggressive. That's assertiveness. Assertiveness, you say what you need to say, when you need to say it, but in a healthy and constructive way. All right? Truth and love. How can we let people know where they stand? Give them honest feedback. You know, one of the, uh, the biggest misnomers about millennials, right? We always, one of the stereotypes we hear is they, don't, they can't handle feedback. The truth is, is they can't handle irregular and ungenuine feedback. If you give them honest feedback, and I can say this because I am a millennial, but if you give them honest feedback, right? If you do it in the right way for their benefit, they know that it's because you love them and you care about them. They want to know where they stand, right? A lot of you guys lead teams of millennial people. There's a lot of millennials in this room. I barely qualify, but I still say that I call. I'm still staying millennial, so it's okay. All right. So, in, in servant, one of the tenets of servant leadership is commitment to the growth of people. We serve people by being committed to their growth, and that's one of the areas that we have to get better. So we had this, we had this person on our team, and this is getting recorded, so I have to be be a little. Uh, I have to I have to obscure some of the details here, just in case someone listens. We had a person on our team who, um, who I inherited. Uh, they got moved to, you know, you know how we do that in churches. When someone doesn't work out, we just kind of move them around and hope, they, hope it gets better. So make them someone else, kick the can down the road, make them someone else's problem. So I, I inherited this person who's been on our team for 10 years. And long story short, it was just, it was miserable from day one. Constant problems, constant just division and strife. And so I went back to one of the leaders that, originally worked with this person. And I asked him, I said, what's, so what's the deal? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I should have fired them a long time ago, or we should have fired them a long time ago. And I was like, why did, why didn't we? Now it's my problem to clean up. Right. And so long story short, we ended up letting her go. And listen, guys, it was, had we, the pain of letting someone go that's been there for 10 years, that thinks they're doing a great job, but has been just bulldozing people the entire time is way worse than the pain of giving some feedback in the moment. All right? Don't kick the can down the road, okay? Truth and love, be honest with people. Say what needs to be said, when it needs to be said, in a healthy and constructive way for their benefit, for their growth. Even if it, in, and so here's, here's, a, here's a tip on this one. Just call it what it is. 
If you're about to sit down and have an uncomfortable conversation with someone, say that. Say, hey, you know, Johnny, this is, uh, you know, we need to have a, a couple things. I want to give you some, some feedback. And, and this is going to be a little bit of an awkward conversation. It's awkward for me to kind of to share this with you, but I believe in you. I love you. I know that you have an awesome place on our team. And so I feel like I have to let you know about this for, for your benefit, for your growth. Okay. And I'm going to give you some time to process and we're going to walk with you through this. Uh, but just rec- the next 15 minutes might be a little bit uncomfortable. All right. I'm telling you guys, if we'll just be genuine and call things what they are, we try to talk around stuff so much. We try to, again, we try to paint this rosy picture around a crappy situation, right? If we would just call it what it is and engage and say, hey, man, this is, this is going to be tough, but I got your back. I, I believe in you, and I know you, can, I know you can move forward from this moment, all right? Feedback can't be an infrequent correction. It's got to be an ongoing conversation, all right? Regular, ongoing feedback, checking in. Listen, your team wants to know where they stand. They may not be have, have the guts to ask you, but they want to know where they stand. And so um, I, I was going to talk about this in the next point, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and talk about it now. We'll, we'll reiterate it in the next point. It's one of the things that I, I encourage all of our leaders to do at Celebration Church um, is uh, kind of what I call a leadership rhythm. All right, and this is just, it's a way to integrate these concepts into your regular rhythm of, of work. And so uh, this, this might be helpful for you, so you might wanna write this down. But um, so da- I ask everybody daily to, to encourage your team daily. All right, whether that's sending them a text message, patting them on the back, uh, you know, taking them to lunch, appreciate, you know, whatever. Like d- encourage your team daily. Find ways to do it. Little thank you note little $5 handshake, you know, whatever that is, like find ways to encourage your team daily. Let them know they're doing a great job. All right. Weekly, uh, you want to have a check-in with each of your team members, each of your direct reports weekly, a weekly check-in. This could be a 30 minute phone call. This could be a whatever. This is work related. All right. A 30 minute check-in and it's, it's how you doing and how can I help the ball keep the moving the ball forward? What can, how can I serve you? That's the question you're really asking. How can I serve you this week? What do you need to do your job well? All right, weekly check-in. A monthly health check. This is where you sit down for an hour with them and it's a, it's, there's no work filter there unless that, you know, they, they run the agenda of this meeting. It's, it's how you doing? What's going on? What's going on with your family? What's going on with you, right? It's, it's fine. It's creating personal connections with people. All right, and then quarterly, doing a quarterly uh, uh, coaching, uh, leadership development coaching opportunity. So find a way to, for, for once a quarter to get them connected with someone who can coach and develop them and, and, and improve them uh, outside of your relationship, okay? This is something external. Whether you have someone else on your team that can be that person, uh, that's one of the things that I do for our team. I do a lot of coaching for our team. Um, whether that's somebody in this room, you know, another pastor you connect with here at, at our conference, whatever that is, make sure you're setting a, t- a time once a qu- aside, once a quarter uh, for your team to have outside perspective and grow. All right. All right. Last point is unhealthy teams consist of colleagues. Healthy teams consist of family. And this has been the theme of the whole conference and why I love, it's just amazing again, how God works. I, I wrote these points weeks ago before I knew anything about what you know, what the themes were. Unhealthy teams consist of colleagues, but healthy teams consist of family. Pastor Kerry uh, said this 
uh, gosh, this last Sunday. This is like fresh. She said, the home is not a smaller version of the church. The church is an expanded version of the home. And it's, gosh, man, I, like it's so true. How, we got to prioritize home and family, right? But then we have to view the church. I'm sorry? Yeah, so uh, the home is not a smaller version of the church. The church is an expanded version of the home. We're family, guys. This is family. This, like, we have to, we have to know our people. We have to have relationships with our people. Emotional intelligence competency here is interpersonal relationships, mutually beneficial, satisfying, enriching relationships. And you got, again, I'm preaching the choir with this stuff. This is the reason you all are here. I know that. But it's sometimes it's easier for us to have this family relationship mindset in this room or even with our congregations than it is with our staff. It's so easy to get into a coworker mindset with our teams, right? We see them every day. We have to, you know, we have to deal with their mess, right? It's family. We have to think of it that way. And you have to really know your team. It's not enough to know their name, you know, maybe know their, their spouse's name. If you're really good, you know their kids' names. I mean, come on, like we gotta get, we gotta, we gotta aim for higher than that, right? And, um, and so one of the tools that I like to use is from a book called The Way of the Shepherd. If anybody's ever read that, um, I, I, it's a secular book, I think. I don't even think it's a uh, a Christian book, but it's a, a you know about leading as if you were a shepherd. Again, <laughs> it's funny the world steals all these ideas and thinks that they're so clever, right? But one of the things he he talks about in that book uh, is knowing the shape of your sheep, and shape is a, a cross stick or whatever they call that, and uh, and so uh, S is strengths. What are, what are your what are they good at? What are their, what, like, let, let me take time to actively know what, what are their strengths? What are their passions? What are they good at, right? Uh, well, the heart is the second one. That's their passions, right? I got a little ahead of myself, but heart. What are they passionate about? What, are the, what really moves and motivates them? One of the mistakes that we'll make sometimes is expect everyone else's, uh, expect everyone to adapt their passions to meet our passions as a leader. Well, servant leaders want to know what the passions of those are around them. It doesn't mean we're going to change the mission and vision of the church because someone's passionate about something else. That's not what I'm saying. But if we know what they're passionate about, when, when an opportunity comes up that connects with that passion, now we know how to, how to really, really deeply engage them right? If someone's really passionate about world missions and all of a sudden we have a trip coming up that, you know, we are, or they're really passionate about a specific country, whatever it is, right? We can take, we can find opportunity. If we know that stuff about them, we can intentionally find opportunities to connect them to that. And listen, guys, that, if someone came to you and said, man, I remember you told me a couple of months ago that you're really passionate about uh, I'll use our context, Zimbabwe, right? We have a campus in Zimbabwe. Oh, you're really passionate about Zimbabwe. You know, we had, we had a donor come and, and, uh, and sponsor someone to go on a trip. I want to use that money to send you because I know you're super passionate about it. Man, you want to talk about someone who's now bought in and sold out. Like they remembered that I said that and they're going to put their money where their mouth is. Like that's awesome, right? So we want to know the heart, the, the passions of our team. A is attitude. What's their worldview? What's their perspective? What's their, how, how do, what's their construct and how they view the world, all right? How do they approach things? P is personality. 
I already talked about that. I'm a big advocate of knowing personality types. What's your personality? What's your, uh, how are they wired? And I'm telling you, 80% of the problems that I deal with, um, I'll, I'll, I'll use the church, I guess. Um, 80% of the problems that I deal with are all temperament related and personality related. And it's a real simple fix. If, if the leader knows the personalities of his team, he can adapt his communication style to match. He, can, he, he or she can adapt the way they lead to match what they're... I, I like to think about it this way. Training and understanding and personality is, is like the translator. Every personality type has a, speaks a different language. And if you understand personality types, you have the ability to translate between those two languages. It's critical, guys. Understand the temperament of your team. And then E is experience. Where do they come from? Where have they been? All right. So if you don't know those things about your team, just when you have those kind of check-in meetings with them, ask them, hey, what are you passionate about? What are you into? What are you, what's, what's your, uh, tell, tell me something I don't know, already know about you. All right. You'll be amazed at how these simple questions, people love talking about themselves, right? They'll, they'll, they'll have no problem opening up and sharing these things, but it'll really increase the connections that you have. And remember, again, this has been reiterated. Uh, uh, Pastor Mikan said, said some things along these lines too. But listen, families are inclusive. They're not exclusive. All right? We want more people to come into the family. We don't want to keep it, you know, us four and no more. All right? And, and make sure your staff feels that. Guys, gosh, that's so important. Again, we're so good at thinking about this stuff from the congregational expe- uh, uh, perspective. Let's make sure our staff feels included. Let's make sure our staff has friendships and connections. If we recognize there's someone on our staff who's having a difficult time connecting, let's be that one that connects with them and engages with them, all right? One of the servant leadership tenants is building community, right? And being a community builder, it's not just, it's not enough to say, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna set up an opportunity for people to connect, no, we're going to actively build that community. We're going to actively engage with people and build connections. One of the guys on our team, Tarek Stewart, you guys, some of you guys may have met him. I feel like he knows everybody at this conference. It's hilarious. I, you, you can't even walk down the hallway because he gets stopped 17 times. Um, but he is, the, he is a brilliant uh, community builder. He will pull two people together who've never met. And by the time he's done talking to them, they're best friends and he's off to somebody else. It's just a, find those people on your team that are gifted at b- building bridges between people and leverage them to, to build connections on your staff. Okay? All right. So a tip for this one, start as many interactions as possible with a specific personal question. So anytime you're in the hallway, just talking to somebody, Hey, how did Sally do with her dance recital? Right? Like those little things. What, what, what are those little simple things? I was one guy on our staff that, man, he just, <laughs> he remembers everything. And he came and asked me a question about something I had said to him like six months ago that I had forgotten about. And he's like, Hey, how did that thing go? I had to, it took me like 30 seconds to remember what he was talking about. I'm like, that's a gift. Not all of us have that. I understand that. But again, try to develop and cultivate that as much as you can. Try, even if it's write some stuff down when you have, especially if it's your direct reports, guys, if you, if someone tells you something without them noticing it, just kind of jot it down, write it down. And, uh, and, 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 and you'll be amazed at the response you get when you ask that question back from them. Okay. Interpersonal relationships are key, mutually satisfying relationships. All right. All right. So one more thing to share as I close here, and then we're going to open up for, for questions and answers and all that. So 
You hear me talking a lot about emotional intelligence. One of the best ways to develop in these skills is to get an emotional intelligence assessment done. Um, that gives you an objective third party, you know, to be, kind of say, okay, here's where you stand with these things, right? Um, and so we we offer that at Celebration Church for you guys. So we, uh, in the marketplace, I charge three to $500, to take somebody through uh, assessment and coaching. Um, so for you guys through celebration, we, we do it at cost. So if you want to get an assessment done, it's a hundred bucks to do an EQI assessment. Um, there's a leadership version of the assessment too. If you want some extra leadership content for 150, again, that's, that's our cost. So um, that's extended to everybody in this room. If you guys are interested in going through that, I have eight coaches on our team that are all certified in this tool. The cool thing about the EQI is you have to either be a licensed mental health counselor or certified in the tool to use it. It's a clinical grade assessment that's governed by the American Psychological Association. So it's a high, it's the, you get what you pay for with this stuff. It's a high level tool. Like you can go, there's a couple of assessments you can go online, either free or 20 bucks or whatever. But this one is, this is a high level assessment. All right. So if you guys are interested in that, um, I have a flyer we'll pass out to you guys before you leave that has more information about it. Um, uh, you can also get certified to use this tool and deploy it with your staff, which I highly recommend. This is we, we have four or five different assessments we use. This has been the one that has, has had the biggest impact on our team and the biggest return on investment. Um, and so we're actually a certification center as well at Celebration. We have a certification, if you want to write this down, we have a certification event coming up uh, in Jacksonville on June 25th and 26th. All right, that's a Tuesday and Wednesday. So we'd love to have you come down, you know, come down. It's a it's all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. So kind of like this conference, come down on, on Monday. Um, we'll we'll do a set or do the the certification class on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, June 25th and 26th. We have a we have a Wednesday night service. Love to have you stay Wednesday night service. I'll connect you with some of the people on our staff that are maybe in a comparable role to you. Um, highly recommend it. So that certification, again, we do it at cost is 1200 bucks. So if, you, if you've ever been certified in a tool before, that's really inexpensive um, to be able to uh, deploy these tools on your staff. Um, so if you're interested in either of those things, you, you have my number now, go ahead and text me and let me know that. Um, and I'll make sure I get you that information and we'll get you connected there. Um, and then also I have some other kind of resources around these ideas that I can send you if you're interested. So let's open it up for some questions. Uh, what, what do we got for questions? Good questions. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm actually thinking about my question. All uh, app session because you're talking about unhealthy teams. So that's a lot of people involved in a team. Um, but yeah. Uh, I adopted an entire team. Um, our lead pastor transitioned out, and so there was a lot of pain and brokenness when I kind of stepped in. And the youth pastor had left with the lead pastor as well. Like the whole, I mean, it just changed all of leadership. Yikes. So I come in, and the student's ministry is being run by a group of high schoolers, five of them that were like, we're not willing to stop doing what we're doing. We want to keep this going. And so— our pastor was kind of in a bind of trying to repair the whole church and was like, you know what? I love the passion. You guys are super great. You've, you've shown leadership. And so he gave one of them leadership and then made them the lead team. And then I step on the team and they're like, intruder, you're, you don't belong here. You didn't go through what we went through. And now that I have all this change, while constructive, I mean, I love them so much. And they had about 10 students regularly coming. And so I want to, you know, change growth and I want to be meeting the loss. And they're just kind of fine with the way things were like, that was their home. That's their comfort. And so me coming in, I've been just like 
pushing through the mud. I mean, every every conversation, even if it's just to ask them how they are, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk to me. You know, I've, I've learned that skill as well, that people love to talk about themselves. They don't. They're like, we don't want to talk about what happened. They don't want to discuss anything, especially with you. And I look like I'm their age. Um, so it doesn't really help. They're like, you just graduated high school practically too. Um, and so I, you know, I have the experience, obviously I was given this role from my lead pastors, um, cause they believe in me. And so it's great because my lead pastors have affirmed me, but it's hard when like every decision, I mean, there's like, they don't want change. They don't want to grow. They don't want to invite people. They're in high school. They, this is the best tool I could possibly use is them being in their high school to invite everybody. And they see some of our students and look away. You know, like they, they don't, the new ones that are coming that we're inviting, they're like, oh, I saw you at a track meet. I waved, but you didn't wave back. They, they're telling me this, like about another one of our leaders. I'm like, yeah. you're, you're leading student ministry. How is this possible? Um, and I think it just comes out of a place of one, they're hurt, but two, they're probably not ready emotionally. They're in high school to be yeah, taking yeah. on such a leadership role. Right. But now I can't demote them. I can't step in and be like, you're all fired, done. <laughs> we're starting over. So yeah. I just didn't know if you had any advice. It's kind of a big question, but- yeah, there's a lot there. That's great. Um, <laughs> anyone else got a question? No. Um, so a, a couple of things that stood out. First of all, um, some people have a growth mindset. Some people have a fixed mindset. People in a fixed mindset can't be in leadership. They just can't. And so you may have to have some of those conversations and transition some of those people. You, know, you said, I can't just fire them all. Well, you, you might have to, you know? Um, that said, when people shut down, like most of the time when change happens to someone unexpected, they go into fight or flight response. So the people who are pushing back and are actively engaged and, and, and in the sense of, of being disruptive and trying to, you know, derail the team, they've gone into their fight response. Those that won't talk to you and shut down and keep, keep it all in, they go to a flight response. The only way to pull them out of that is to bring them back to a place of safety. Okay. So you have to, when you're having difficult conversations like that and trying to bring people on, there's two things you want to do. You want to create an atmosphere of safety and you want to establish common purpose. All right. This is from a book called Crucial Conversations. If you are interested with that, uh, Vital Smarts, I think, put it out. But you have to, first of all, you have to create an atmosphere of safety. They have to know that you have their back, that you're for them, that you care about them. Right. Um, but then you also have to establish common purpose. Okay. Um, why are they even involved with this ministry if they don't want to see it grow, if they don't want to see people come to, to, to Jesus, right? So you have to figure out what is that common purpose that you guys have, that common ground that you have, and, and, and lean on that. So I would just have a bunch of individual conversations. And, um, and again, you have to adopt that mindset of a servant. And one, one other thing I'll share, as you mentioned, kind of pushing them into it, um, maybe instead of that visual, maybe have a, a visual of, of, of pulling them along in the sense of that I'm, 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 I'm reaching back and I'm holding them, but I'm guiding them, right? Yeah. If you think about a chain, like you've ever seen, and again, I, I saw this on the TED Talk somewhere. None of this, there's nothing new under the sun. I didn't come up with any of this stuff. But like there's a, is, I saw this guy, an idea of a, of a chain, right? If you try to push a chain, it's amorphous. It just kind of like falls, right? But if you, if you walk from the front, if you hold the, tip, the front of the chain and you, and you walk along, it all kind of follows in place, right? You have to be willing to go before them, but continually reach back and hold their hand and guide them along the way. So I don't know if any of that's helpful, but hopefully it is. Cru uh, crucial conversations. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, I've got somebody on my like leadership team and they're not paid or anything. They're volunteer. Um, um, can you ask it again for the recording? Oh, sorry. I've got somebody on my leadership 
uh, on my leadership team, like volunteer leadership team. And it has been an ongoing thing for a while where you never know which version of that person you're going to get that week. And, uh, never seen that and, before. And while, so I'm, I'm list, so I'm hearing you talk about, you know, like asking them, uh, personal questions and getting them to open up. Yeah. Uh, two thirds of the time I'm met with like nothing. And if there is something, it's like crusty and crust I can handle. What I can't handle is, is that going out towards my kids? And what's sad is he's the most consistent leader. Like he would be there for anything. But his face says, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Have you ever asked him that directly? Hey, I noticed that when, I, when we have these conversations, like this is kind of what I am seeing. Uh, help me understand maybe what your thought processes are. Uh, honestly, I haven't because I'm afraid I'm going to get yeah. crust, crusty version yeah. on that day. So, so here's what I would say is what, you want to you ask about that, but you don't want to use why questions. Why questions produce instant defensiveness in people, and will, that, those crusty people will come out right away, you know, with their guard up. You want to ask how and what questions. So it's not why are you like why are you seem like you're not happy, right? You say, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay? You know, what's the what? You know, uh, you seemed like you were maybe a little bit um, upset about the the call that we made. What, what's your thought process? What's going through your head? You know, how did you approach that decision that you made? You know, like how and what questions are safe questions to ask? Avoid why questions. But I, you got to have a, you got to have a, just again, you got to call it what is, have a direct sit down conversation with him. And, um, and then I would say, you know, typically when you have that, like that ups and downs of people, it's typically people who are tri- like emotionally are triggered by certain things. So if you could try to identify what, what, what those trigger points are for him, uh, and then create a, uh, again, address that kind of mental model in his mind. So that's really where a great, where an assessment would come into play to try to identify where that point is and give him the ability to, um, uh, to kind of process through that. But practically speaking, ask how and what questions and not why questions. And you might not see as much of the spikes. Hopefully that's helpful. Yes, sir. Okay. So I got another question similar to the young lady up front with the millennials, because mm-hmm. we're, we're dealing in, and, and this is churches and companies as well. So a lot of millennials are coming in and they're actually coming in in positions above or leadership positions initially yeah. with an experience. And so when you're dealing with those atmospheres, you've got unhealthy leadership with unhealthy teams. So how is that transition? Is that a cultural experience that you try to look for to assist? Because now they've come in and say, even for an existence, regardless of experience, if they've come in at a level higher than people that have the experience to be above that level, how does the person below that level that has the experience communicate to the unhealthy leaders and the unhealthy teams? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, that's unfortunately one of the problems that we have is we don't teach leadership well in our schools and in our, you know what I mean? And so you have people who come out and, and they get placed in these positions and they have no idea how to lead people, right? right? And so... Um, it definitely depends on the culture of the organization. That's a big thing. I always try to link things back to the cultural values of the organization. So, um, so like at Celebration Church, a couple of our cultural values that I lean on a lot are um, we grow, we don't maintain, and we have a culture of honor. And so in, when, we, when we're working with teams, if, if there's a lot, like, so that person who is under the unhealthy leader, well, we have a culture of honor. And honor is given, it's not deserved. Right. Respect is earned. Honor is freely given. And so how can I serve that person by honoring them? 
And how can I, I get, it, it, this, the same kind of principles apply of creating a, a, a safe atmosphere. A lot of times people get in that defensive mode if they feel like they're, someone's gunning for their job or gunning for their position or feels you know, vi- victimized. The other thing is a lot of the times those young leaders, they come in guns blazing because they, they, they are insecure and feel like they have to try to make sure everyone else knows how great they are and that they deserve this role. And so um, it's tough when you're, when you're underneath a leader like that. Uh, I would, uh, you know, obviously if, if ideally you would want to give that leader coaching. Um, but if you're that person who's under the leader, I would, again, uh, it sounds really simple guys, but the, the, those direct and honest conversations, just pulling them aside and say, hey, listen, I, I, I support you. I'm for you. I'm glad you, you're in this role. I really believe that you're going to be great. And I want you to know that I'm, I, I'm here to help you. If, however, you would like me to support and serve. And don't even maybe point out any of the flaws right now. Just let them know that you're on their team. And you, you, you know what I mean? Uh, and hopefully those walls start to break down a little bit and that they become a little bit more trusting and comfortable. And then that'll open up those opportunities to be able to, to lead up to them. I don't know if that's helpful, but hopefully it is. Yeah. Okay, so my question could kind of tie off of what she was saying because she is a young leader and I am as well. So how do you deal with the relationship issues that you may have when you come in, you're young in age, but you are qualified for that position, you're strong in that position, you're called to that position. But sometimes as you come in, you have older ones underneath you Mm -hmm. that don't respect you or honor you be- yeah. Simply because you're you're so young. Yeah, uh, it's actually the same answer. <laughs> yeah, it's hu- it's honor and humility. As the leader, you come in and, and you, uh, so you you have to act it's humble. So yeah, you have to say you know, you, even if you're qualified, there's still a lot of stuff you don't know. Yeah, of course. Right? And so there's, you'll never, this is one of the things, the biggest misnomers with leadership is people think that I have to look qualified. I have to come in and look like I know what I have it all together or else my team won't follow me. But what I found is that authenticity is the biggest trust builder. And if we can actually say, hey, guys, you know, I, I'm, you bring your team together and you say, I'm, I'm so honored to have, I can't believe I've been put in this position. I'm really, I'm really grateful. I'm really, and I know that I'm going to make some mistakes along the way as I learn this role, as I learn you, you guys. And I just ask for your grace as I grow and develop. I want you to know that I have your back and I want to see your growth and development on the team. I believe in you. I'm for you. I'm here to serve you. Um, and so I'm going to extend that grace in, to you. I, I'd love for you guys to extend that grace to me. And I give you permission to come and bring things to me, right? Yeah. The, that's how you win people over is by, is by because here's the thing. When we when we come out and act like we're we've got it all together, then everybody's waiting for us to make a mistake, and it's like, see, they don't really know themselves very well. I'd rather you come in on the humble side and say, you know, man, I'm I don't know how I got here, but I'm just thankful, and I'm 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 excited we all get to do this together. So, authenticity, humility are the two two things that I would lead with. Yeah. Cool. So in. in light of leading in the middle or leading second and you have delegated authority, but maybe you don't have full delegated authority to hire, fire, mm-hmm. replace, or uh, light yourself on fire and quit. You know, you, you have to, at what point do you admit to the person 
at what point do you bring in a next uh, level up leader to the conversation and how do you set that up with your team or your volunteer to address a, let's call it a situation? So you're saying you have, you have, you have a problem with someone on your team and your immediate leader is not really responsive to that. Hasn't given you, hasn't given you full authority to um, remove that person off the team yeah. uh, yet, but they would want to be involved to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But you've got to obviously talk with your team or or uh, that person to fill them in on, I'm bringing in another, I need to bring in another person to have this yeah. conversation. Obviously, you're not going to drop that without having any right. conversation. So how do you set that up? Yeah. What does that look like? So, well, you got to, you have to give that team member every chance to succeed. Yeah. So if your if your leadership is resistant to a, a shift or a transition, the first question I would ask is: have, have I given this a fair shot? Have I given them every chance to succeed? Have I gone above and beyond in trying to coach and develop this person? Have I have I given them my best? Um, and then, if you can look yourself in the mirror and honestly say. I've done it all. You know what I mean? This person doesn't belong on the bus. Then you have, you know, you have to have that conversation. Um, I'm, you know, I believe in spiritual authority. I always, I have a hard time encouraging you to go around your, your, your leadership. Um, but if, if there, if, if it's a, if it's a negligence to address the problem because of some insecurity or there's friendship there or some other type of issue, um, then how I would, how I would approach, if you're going to involve the next level of leadership, you meet with them and your immediate leader. Right. And it's not a, a costing try to, right. It's a, Hey, I want to discuss this. I know I'm not trying to go and you, again, I'm not trying to go above this person's head. Right. But I'm just, we're, and maybe you take the approach of, I've tried everything I know to help this person succeed. If you guys feel like God has called us to keep this person on the team, you don't feel released to let them go. I need you guys to help me coach them. How, like, you know what I mean? Because maybe there's something else that you haven't thought of that you could help with this team member. So yeah, that's that's sticky. Leading up is hard, man. That's why I didn't teach on that. So <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, yes, sir. Actually, uh, exactly what you just said, leading up is hard. You, you did teach on it. Um, the, the lady, uh, the young lady in the, in the back and the gentleman, you answered both of their questions in servant leadership. Uh, when you're, whether you're an older gentleman, you know, below and, and somebody above you's younger, the way that you answered the question was uh, uh, honoring and serving, which is helping to build them up, which is servant leadership. You're leading up. And in the same way with the other, I was just a comment on both of those questions because they were the exact question just from opposing things. And you answered by serving, servant leadership and honoring. It was amazing. If you guys are interested in servant leadership stuff, man, uh, Robert Greenleaf's amazing. I mean, there's a ton of academic stuff out there on it, but uh, Robert Greenleaf, his original uh, essay that coined the term is called The, the Servant as Leader. Um, I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's foundational leadership stuff, man. It's so good. Who, yes, go ahead. Um, so how would you, what are some boundaries that you have set in place for whenever you are working with someone who is of the opposite gender? Because whenever it comes to like emotions and especially like monthly health check-ins and things like that, you know, like you're asking them about their spouse, you're asking them like about all those different things. So what are some 
good boundaries that you have set in place? That is a fantastic question. Um, okay, so a couple of practical things, all right? So I, I meet and coach with both genders. Um, at Celebration, we have sliding barn doors uh, for our offices, so they naturally uh, are not very private, <laughs> which is good and bad. But um, so when I'm meeting with someone of the opposite gender, uh, I have that going for me where I know that it's, you know, and, and our teams, there's we've kind of created that degree of accountability there. Um, you know, <sighs> just be mature. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, from a leadership perspective, you know, don't, don't ask questions that, you know, d- that dive too deep. If there's something that gets too intense, um, then you want to bring in some other counsel, some other, you know, if, if it, if it moves from a, a regular check-in to a pastoral care conversation, you know, bring in the appropriate accountability there. If it's someone from the other, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, <sighs> You, you, you just have to, you have to really um, use good discernment. You know, I, I don't have any hard and fast rules for you. I don't have a checklist of 10 things that I do. You know what I mean? Um, I just, I, I, I can sense when things are starting to cross the line. And, I'm, and again, I call it what is. I'm saying, listen, I, I appreciate you're willing to have this conversation. Like, let's say they're, they're sharing something that I think is going, that's maybe too, too deep, right? You know, I'll say, I appreciate you sharing this stuff with me that you trust me enough to do that. Um, and and we, man, this is something we really need to dig into. Um, I'd like to, to set up a follow-up and I'm gonna bring in our, you know, one of our care pastors uh, of the opposite gender that I think we need to have this conversation, you know, or, hey, why don't you go meet with them? Why don't you go have a conversation with them? That would be really good. Um, you know, it just, it, it depends on the context and what it is you're discussing, obviously. Um, but you wanna know, like, you y- you, you don't want it to feel like you're just passing the buck off, right? You have to engage with them as well. So, um, so for practically speaking, you know, my office is set up to where I, I can naturally do that and, and kind of keep it a safe environment. Like, so if you don't have that meet in a neutral place, meet somewhere, um, you know, keep your office door open, meet in a public area, meet, um, you know, if you have an assistant, have them sit in with you, that type of thing. Um, and then just be use, use wise judgment and discernment and know what's the right time to ask the right kind of questions. So, so like, would you ask them, um, about their marriage and about things like that because in our like we have a one-on-one setup that mm-hmm. we do where like we have like those questions like how is your marriage you know yeah. like it's just like part, how are the kids how is your yeah. you know like how is your marriage kind of thing yeah would you even ask them those questions or absolutely i ask it a little differently so if i'm meeting with um i, I had a meeting this week and so instead of asking how's your marriage i said how's your husband doing Right. So I, I make it about him and I recognize, you know what I mean? I recognize yeah. that, uh, as opposed to saying, Hey, how's your marriage? Y'all doing good? Like, you know, you want to get dinner after that? No, it's not like that. Right. Um, no, it's, uh, it's, 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 how's your husband doing? How could, you know, you know, and then they start opening up again, you got to use wise discernment there, but I always try to make it, uh, about the individual, but it, you kind of get to know what's going on and then kids and stuff. That's all, that's all safe, man. Everybody's fine going there. Yeah. So um, in my situation, I kind of touch on um, getting a new team that was already established, mm-hmm. and my team was all men. So I'd been in students for three years. I got promoted to the lead team, and I got put over all of our campus directors, which happened to be all men. And um, so they had already been established working. 
I knew nothing about what they were doing, nothing about Sunday logistics, because I've been dealing with students for three years. So one of the first things I did, number one, was gain trust. And I came in and I told them, I don't know, you can do this job with your eyes closed. I can't tell you what to do. And so I let them know, hey, if you want to try something, we're going to try it. The only thing I'm going to do is set vision. Vision isn't for sale. So I'll set the vision. But if you, whatever you think will work, we will try it. And so that gained trust right away. Mm-hmm. Um, things like, you know, purchasing bistro tables and stuff. I'm not going to ask you why you need one. I'll get it. Go get it. Yeah, yeah. And so um, so I decided to, number one, gain their trust. Any short-term win I could get, they said they needed something. I don't care if it was, I need more buckets for the offering. Mm-hmm. Oh, no problem. I'm getting it. Yeah. So I tried to do short-term wins. And then in terms of leading men, um, I made it not weird. Like, I'm just not going to make it weird. Right. So if we have a one-on-one, we're going to have a one-on-one. I'm going to ask you the same stuff I ask a woman. Yeah. Um, if we need to meet, I met with one of my campus directors at a Starbucks. It was not a great conversation. Nobody would have thought we were dating. They might have <laughs> thought we didn't like each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and so I try to do, I try to debunk any weirdness. Yeah. I ask about, I bring their wives in all the time. We're yeah. having an offsite. Um, right before Easter because I want them to relax because Easter weekend mm-hmm. is going to be long. It's going to be hard. So we're doing all fun stuff. And I said, invite your wives. So, and I'm inviting my husband. Mm-hmm. So we're going to the movies. We're going to do whatever. Yeah. And that's the offsite for the day. And so for me, just being a part of a new team is being vulnerable, letting them know, you know, more than I do, giving them short-term whims and not making it weird. That's great. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, hey guys, I got a couple of flyers for you here. So with more information, if you want one, I'm sorry, I was going to pass them out, but thank you guys so much. Love y'all. If I can help you in any way, please don't hesitate. Have a great rest of the conference.